This is 358 Health, Fitness and Mindset Podcast, the show that gives you the tools to integrate the principles of a healthy lifestyle into your schedule without having to give up the things that you enjoy in your life. If you want to improve your body and your mind, then 358 is the place to be. Your host, Jack Buffery, is your personal development trainer and creator of the 358 programs. Find out more about 358 and sign up for the free seven-day challenge at www.358fitness.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the 358 Health, Fitness and Mindset podcast. This is Jack Buffery, and you are listening to episode two of the two-part interview I've done with Daniel Barfoot. Now, if you haven't listened to a part one yet, which was the last episode, I strongly recommend you listen to that first because we do jump straight into it in this episode, and it may be a little bit confusing if you haven't already heard it. Um, if you're on the old interwebs at the moment while you're listening to this, make sure to check out the links to Daniel's stuff. If you've listened to the first episode, then you'll, you've already heard quite a bit about what he's up to, and we get more into it in this episode as well. But check out the links in the show notes because honestly, what he is doing is incredible stuff, um, helps a lot of people, and it's always worthwhile checking out stuff like that. And while you've got the old interwebs open, make sure to check out 358 Thrive. That is the online community where at the moment I'm showing what I'm up to and other people just jump in, ask questions, and basically it's just a it's a uh, it's a resource which is what it's designed as a resource so you can trust the information that comes out of it you can have your own say um, and like I said you can ask questions and just basically get to grips with the fundamentals of a fit and healthy lifestyle without all the fluff in between without further ado let's get into the episode I hope you enjoy it as always don't forget to leave a five-star rating and subscribe as well I look forward to hearing your feedback from this one Take it easy, guys. Enjoy the episode. One thing I really want to touch on as well, and it'd be interesting to see how this played into what you do now, is when we had a 10-minute chat or five-minute chat before um, the very first time we spoke, you mentioned that you yourself didn't have very successful um, kind of school education back in the day. so how did that play out into you wanting to become a teacher? Uh, yeah, I didn't, first of all. So, yeah, it wasn't great. A um, little, little bit of bullying. Um, but mostly I just didn't particularly want to be there. Um, I, was, I was too arrogant. I thought um, there was other things for me to be getting on with, you know. Mm. Um, and... It, it, I got I got through okay, not so much in sixth form and college, and then I had to go back to college to get my, my GCSE maths to get back into uni and stuff. So I grew up a bit a bit later. Um, but yeah, sorry. What was your what was your original question? It was just um, yeah. It was you you when we spoke, you didn't feel I'm like not, you you done that, and how did that transition into you actually wanting uh, to become okay. a teacher? Because there seems to be quite a, a disconnect there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, So, like I said about the vocational thing, I I think my friend was always a paramedic. Um, I think my sister was always a carer, you know? And if it wasn't a paramedic or a carer, it'd be something damn close to it. And Mm. I think 
I think for, for stuff like that, you're sort of, you're called towards it in some way. And so I'm, I had a bit of a unique situation growing up whereby I was the second eldest, um, but my sister went off the map for like 11 years. And so I had to then switch to being the eldest and it kind of messed with my dynamic a little bit of how, you know, and the younger brother and sister from there. Um, and so I sort of, on the one hand was, was, I saw what it was like to be looked after and mentored and guided. And then in a snap, I had to put those things into practice for my, my little brother and sister there. Um, and I liked the sort of, I realized that I liked helping and, and being the mentor more than I liked being the mentee. Um, in my friends' groups, quite, I was quite, it, I was like a, what do you call it, like a loner child. I was reading my, um, weirdly enough, my mum recently passed away and we were looking um, through some stuff from the garage and I found um, old school reports and, and it said uh, nothing to worry about, but Daniel seems to like to just sit in the corner and draw by himself. Um, people towards him, but he doesn't seem interested. <laughs> and uh, it, that, so that kept coming up in the early school reports where I was like, I got on with people, but I didn't really go and seek it out. And when that, when that, when it changed, when I grew up or whatever, I just I just found that people came to me a lot of the time. And usually, when people come to you, for, not in a mean way, but it's because they want something. And even if that something is just some sort of level of interaction or acceptance or whatever, um, but I was always relatively comfortable in my own skin and by myself. And I was very quiet and I was very reflective kid. And I was watching and I think a lot. And so I, probably it was all nonsense at that age, but I had a lot to say when I'd started talking, as you can probably tell. Um, and it was, <laughs> and it was, it was just a sort of a dynamic at school whereby I was always, I always played that role, you know, as like an agony uncle. And um, I'd always be happy to, to hear people's problems and, and try and help and trying to alleviate some sort of pressure if they were feeling it. Um, and it just get, kept on and on and on. And then I started to sort of uh, do like sports coaching with table tennis and stuff like that. And I always felt like a, a need to defend people. And, you know, you know like I, I grew up in an old boys school and it, I'm a, I'm a fighter, but fighting scares the life out of me. Right. And, and in an old boys school, there was two or three fights every day, savage fights. And it used to make me feel sick to my stomach and I, I couldn't watch it. it. Whereas sort of a lot of people obviously bang for blood, but I, I couldn't handle it. I was a softy and I would, I would, I would not be able to do anything else, but jump in and try and, pull the smaller one out of the way or something. It was just, it just was, I think who I still am. And I think all of those things and uh, being a teacher. So, so I did a, a little teacher training thing for three teenagers the other day, Jack. Um, we interviewed for a teaching assistant thing. We're doing a COVID catch up club in the gym. 
and um, teenagers, they were so impressive. We decided to put them through upgrade teacher training and uh, tuition training. And then we're going to open the gym up on a Saturday for them to do their own private tuition out of for younger kids. Mm. And one of the questions I asked them to discuss between themselves was um, what makes a teacher? Not necessarily what makes a good teacher, but what makes a teacher? You know, conscientiousness, understanding, patience, etc. And we spoke about it for ages. And we, we talked about how those traits cross over and what, what other careers that they cross over to. And all of us, it was myself, my wife, and the, and the three the free guys on the training. And we all just sort of like got, got to the point where we realized that these were all things that we could interchange with what makes a good person, you know, like mm. the, the desire to take on responsibility when responsibility needs to be taken. Um, sort of the desire to be, or the, the willingness to be brave in a difficult situation, all of these things. And we realized that, again those vocational things they apply to teaching as much as they apply to to counseling or to to being a paramedic or to to being a fireman or whatever and it's, it's all the stuff that makes what i would consider and what they would consider at the time to be a good person and i think that's should be pretty much 99 percent of anyone's drive is just can i be a good person can i or can i at least be better can I continue to be a good person? And if the answer is yes, how do I become a better one? And there, like that thing I was talking about earlier, that you and you close the door for a necessity behind you, and you say, right, I am a good person up till that point, so I'll close that door so then I can't change that. Now where's the next door that I need to walk through? And it's so the reason I wanted to be a teacher, the reason I am a teacher, I think is because I've got like an obsession with trying to be better. And I don't mean better, like more successful or, or anything. I mean, better, like genuinely better. Like, can I listen different way? Can I interpret what somebody's saying to me in a kinder way? You know, can I view the world differently today than I did yesterday? And I want the answer to be yes to all those things over and over again. And I'm so, I, I find that so important that I'm willing to work like a dog for it. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 for me, teaching is the, is the vehicle that I found that allows me to do that in the best possible way. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you just reminded me of that quote of basically leave the world a better place and how you found it. And that's... I, I think to do that, that's got to be done through teaching, through coaching, from passing on a legacy, from passing on information. There's, there's pretty much no other way to do it. It's, it's always by being, a, being the best version of yourself, basically. Well, things, things like if we go all the way back, like way before buildings and caveman times and stuff, like your actions still, still affected the world. They still affected the world for, for negative or for positive in one way or another. And before you had the label of a teacher or a banker or a lawyer or somebody who works in co-op or whatever, before we had any of those things, it doesn't take away from your actions affecting the universe in some way. Mm. It was still fundamentally the same thing. So you would have been a teacher in your own right, or you would have been a provider in your own right or the cook or whatever. And whatever, however you went about your tasks there, 
would, as you say, leave the world slightly better or slightly worse, depending mm. on your intentions and depending on how cognizant you were to the importance of change, I guess. And I think that, that what you just said, being cognizant of it, I think that's really important as well, because I, I think so much of society's focus today relies on keeping up with the Joneses and looking what your neighbours are doing and that sort of stuff. They don't take the time to think of, why am I really doing this? And yeah, and that is important. You know, I use that a lot for coaching just as a personal trainer and, uh, and general fitness coach, but it's such an important question to ask for any point in your life is why am I doing this and really connecting with it. And it, I, you touched on this earlier on, it doesn't come down to success in terms of monetary value or shit that you have in your blooming, in your man cave or whatever. It comes down to why it comes down to why you're doing it and what, whether you want to make a difference with it and what it means to you i think as a person uh, and that's yeah, yeah. You, you go down a rabbit hole with it but i think it's definitely worth one of those things to go down a rabbit hole with to, to find you can you could, you could easily tell yourself that um you know a little bit more money or this car or whatever will do it but one thing you can't do is lie to yourself if you if you care about being lied to if you don't care about being lied to and that includes yourself telling yourself lies if you don't care you can skate on by it's fine mm. but if you've got something in you that you do care and you don't like to be lied to by yourself or anyone else and you can feel the the inherent problems with lies and the sort of disharmony of the the world that comes from a lie then you can't you can't trick yourself into saying, well, as long as I, as long as I get this about of success then I'll be fine. It's just your, yourself, the universe, whatever, it just won't have it. It won't, right. it won't fall for it. You You'll have to feel be a bit hollow mind. still. You won't feel complete yeah. because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have done that. The introspective work is just literally the, the, Oh, I think this will get me there. And it, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting things. It's just the attachment. No. It's just the attachment that we put to those things. We've got to check ourselves a little bit with, I think. But I, th I think you can have both things, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you can have a, you, ha you can have an interest in acquiring things or building. Mm -hmm. Right, because I do. I have an interest in building. I like to see things grow around me. It, in, mm. And again, in terms of honesty, if I was to say that I didn't enjoy that, then I'd I'd be being disingenuous. I wouldn't be pointed in the right direction, and things would inevitably go wrong. I do like that. I like seeing things build, and I like seeing things grow. If I can be congruent though with those parts of me that want to see the thing that I built, you know, almost egotistical, like look at this castle I built. If I can, if the tools that I use are tools that will make other people's life better, like that's the trick. So that's, that's kind of what I was saying with, with why I'm a teacher. Cause to me, it's like, it's like, it, say you walk up to a dock and there's, there's a hundred different boats waiting for you. One of them's called teacher. One of them's called, you know, lawyer. One of them's called whatever. And it's just professions. You're all going in the same way, but what's going to get you there in, you know, in, in the best possible way. And to me, like moving through life as a teacher, it, it allows me to take the good parts of myself, the bad parts of myself and create that sort of balance and harmony to, because you can't really deny certain parts of you but you can 
reshape them and use them in different ways. Mm. And so if I've got that pain in the ass drive to just keep working and, and building and stuff, that's fine. But uh, if I can use the right boat, then I can move in the right direction. You know, I've mixed my metaphors horribly there, but that um, makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's go on. Sorry. I think a lot of it is about intention. You know, what do you intend yeah. to do with these tools? What do you intend to do with these buildings? And to use your metaphor of building, um, I, I think you would. Um, I could tell you, you'd rather build a bigger building than tear the other people's down to have the biggest building. Oh, hell in the yeah. Industry. yeah. And it's, that's the kind of maturity that is, that comes from self-reflection. Whereas other people would yeah. do have, want to have the biggest and the best at any cost. When you kind of look inward, you realize that building stuff just with the focus on why you want to build it and making it the best version of what it can be that comes mm. from looking inside and asking yourself certain set of questions that to be honest can sometimes be uncomfortable because they take a lot of soul searching to, to find out the answer to. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I like to like, cause of what I do as well with the martial arts and stuff. Um, the vast majority of the young people I work with are, are young men mm. and um, you know, it's, I don't want to hide parts of, me from them you know and me being sort of driven and liking to build is is a part of me and it's it's a part of a lot of these young men as well you know that you can see them they they want to be rich you know they want to be famous whatever it is um they want sorry that's right they want they want to drive they want to build themselves but they don't know what that means yet and it's it's arbitrary to just say you want to be rich mm. um so it's that it's that thing of like um what's the saying i always forget it it's like um if you want them to to understand show and it but basically do lead by example and then it, it becomes clearer and so you get all of this energy from from young men and they don't quite have the education to know what to do with it yet they know they want to grow they know they want to make money they know they want to be successful whatever it is um and so by me not sort of being shy about saying, yeah, I'm, I'm ambitious. You know, that's what I've always been. I love to build. And I made sure that I was building in the right place. And that's what sort of helped me keep balanced. And then I take like the martial arts and say, let's build on that first. So I can see that you're interested in like getting your red belt, getting your yellow belt and getting moving all the way up, maybe to competing, to fighting or whatever. One young man that has now moved on, he's, he lives, um, uh, further up the country with his girlfriend now he's doing very well but he was um he just wouldn't he wouldn't come to school we wouldn't interact in the slightest and one of the, the greatest days was he um actually got in a ring and had a competitive fight one is hand raised and it was just yeah he we had built together every step of the way and um yeah i said to him as we went I'm, I'm learning how to sort of teach you as a young boxer. So all the while you're, you're improving your craft, you're helping me improve mine in terms of mm. teaching. And is it, this should be a, a circular thing where we're, we're learning off each other and we're going to grow together. And then when that happens, when you do get your hand raised in the ring, I'm going to be right there with you as the coach, right by the side, you're going to be in there and we're going to be celebrating the job that we did together you know and there was something in that moment where where he won 
and had his hand raised and he looked over to me and it did genuinely feel like we'd built that together and it it set in in a way that I wanted it to which is if something's worth having it's usually worth having with a friend like um, there, there's something to be said obviously about celebrating yourself and being proud of your achievements and stuff but there's no it doesn't success doesn't dilute right so if you share your success with somebody it does there's no dilution there that you don't lose anything it's just it's one of the only things in the world i think that can just be like carbon copied without losing anything it's like um it's well energy doesn't go anywhere does it but this mm. this success you, you share success with somebody and it literally is like a miracle it just mm. the, the positivity doubles and it doesn't require any extra energy it doesn't require any intake or whatever it just doubles and and I hate this sort of famine mentality of, of when people um, see other people succeeding and they think that in some way that takes from their lot. Mm. And you, you, this is what I try and teach kids all the time: is that will that will steal your happiness from right under your feet. You've got to be, you've got to want the people around you to succeed because it will improve your your life and it will it will enhance your success. And people just don't seem to, I don't think it's intuitive that mm. you would give something away and retain the thing that you gave away, enhance the thing that you gave away and see the thing that you gave away being enjoyed and, and utilized by somebody else. There's, no, there's nothing intuitive about that that you would understand. Mm. but it's true it's, I think it's a lot of that comes down to um, and it's something I'm, I'm very interested but evolutionarily speaking we live in societies today that our brain can't really appreciate the fact that we're not supposed to be in societies this big today yeah, and yeah. to share a success with someone um, it might mean giving it away to someone who's not in our family unit or in our social unit where it benefit us. So like you say, it yeah. doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally for us to want to share the successes because we fear that it will take something away from us. But the the, the yeah. pie is definitely big enough for everybody though. It's a rising, rising tide raises all boats. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, I just think it does something as well. Um, Cause there's sort of for, for young people who maybe as going back to, you know feeling that rejection and 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 not trust in the world and things it's if you make the first move is i say this to adults as much as i say it to to kids if they ever ask me um for any advice or any help or whatever and yeah it might be you know, how do i trust somebody again after they cheated on me or blah 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 as you've got to make the first move you've got to put trust back into the world you've got to put belief into the world even though it doesn't feel like the right thing to do because it's well yeah what put it out in the world to get stamped on again it's it doesn't quite work like that it's it's weird it's bizarre it's something almost uh, supernatural about it you, you put sort of uh, belief and, and understanding forgiveness whatever it is um the ability to share success you put it out in the world and it starts to take on a life of its own and at a time with these kids where maybe they're in a children's home or they're just not attending school and they're depressed, they haven't left their house or whatever, the idea that, or the notion of that they, they have some responsibility to put something positive out in the world seems ludicrous to them. And I know it's a lot to ask, 
but it's one of those leap of faith things that if you just just do it and trust me you'll you'll feel even a little twinge and you might not even admit it but it'll be there and then it would have caught on and and in order to get some like a, a young person to believe that and trust you enough to do it comes right back to where we started which is building a relationship with that kid that's meaningful and genuine and you know, then we're on that buzzing high frequency all over again it's like you're coaching them to have a willingness to receive something because if you want something you're not going to get it if you're not willing to receive it and that yeah. may sound a bit woo woo but it's 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 very it's very real because you've got to be open to that to the reciprocity kind of thing um, yeah for sure We've we've covered a, we've covered a hell of a lot so far, Daniel, and I'm I'm aware of the time. In fact, you've got a coach tonight again. But there's a couple of things I want to go over uh, just before we before we start to wind things down. And one is the um, <clears throat> the the team mentality that you build up in people because you've mentioned the word loner a couple of times about yourself and the kids that you you coached and, and stuff like that. And um, that team mentality, I mean. From from what I've seen, and I'm, I'd be interested to get your view of this, but team mentality it usually comes from a recognition of effort. And that sounds like what's happening with the physicality side of what you're doing, at least. Um, mm. So how does how does that play out from, from you? Is it from that like recognition that everyone's putting the same effort? Is that how you build up that team among people? Yeah. Um, put simply, mm. um, I think... For any team, like a good team, you you hold each other accountable, don't you? And and every I think everybody should be trying to be the example in the group, with a, a knowledge that there's no need for one. Do you know what I mean? So um, everybody should have it in their head that they they are going to be the ones to go one step further, because they know that by doing that. As long as everybody else is thinking the same thing, everybody is going to be constantly trying to go one step further. And then the trick there is to manage the um, competitiveness in the right in the right way. So I was screaming at my adult class a couple of weeks ago, and I got a right bee in my bonnet about um, getting back to fighting and getting back to competing. Not for me, but for for my students. And I was screaming at him for about half an hour and I lost my voice by the end of it. And I was saying, you, there's no secret. There is no secret. You just have to be willing to go that one step further than the next guy. And it, is, it doesn't matter how much further. It just matters one step. The only trick is you don't know how far that other person's willing to go. So you better make, make sure that you've gone as far as you know that you can go. So... You don't, uh, like I said, you don't know how far they're going to go, but you do know, or you can at least explore how far you and your body and your capabilities and your willingness can go, right? So you keep pushing, you keep pushing, you keep pushing. Now, when you get out into the, into the wilderness, when you really start to learn about who you are, and you really start to push your limits and you're, you're trying to do a, something simple like a tuck jump and you just can't lift your feet off the ground, if you're surrounded by people that that love you essentially, and they're they're all on the same team, and they and you look over and you can see somebody's pushing, right? Then you know they have it, and you're all in in that sort of that hive mentality at the time. And somebody might say the right thing at the right time, 
and and get you to go one more and the beauty of that is your feet they weren't working but then you were, were able to jump again so you you were absolutely convinced that your feet weren't working but there was something that your friend told you there was something that your team member said there was a look that your other teammate gave you or there was the fact that god help me that person's on the floor again i need to do something myself that's going to inspire them to get off the damn floor mm. responsibility right and everyone's pulling in that same direction and before you know it you get this cacophony of shouts and screams and grunts because everybody is here that frequency there's that buzzing frequency again mm. we used to do it in in circuits all the time i used to run a circuits class haven't got back to it yet because it's very covidy like <laughs> it's <laughs> lots of heavy breathing and stuff but mm. we will get there and I, I used to say and i was lucky enough that some of my best friends were in were in this uh just being one of them by the way um you spoke to the other day um and i could feel it like I'd, i tried to lead by example and i don't mind making a fool of myself i don't mind shouting and screaming because i want to i want to figure out exactly where the the hive mind is you know that sounds a bit woo-woo as well but there when you get people in a room pulling in the same direction and their heart rates up and you're essentially life or death you're you're simulating death basically mm. like that's what your body knows from thousands millions of years ago you're simulating it and 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 as you were sort of brought up with the evolution thing in small small groups and small societies back then if there's a threat and for heaven's sake 12 of you all at once are feeling the same threat there must be something that goes on with the brain that, that connects in that moment to say well i was feeling threat but there must be a real threat if all 12 of us are feeling it at the same time and that's almost what you create in like a circuits class or a sparring class or something mm. um so i would push and push and push until i felt that like boom we're there and it, we're, we're all connected in the same way and that only then would i stop the class and then we would walk around together and we would write, like sort of slow right down. Then we would um, come into sort of a meditation situation where you sat across the leg and deep breathe all together and just stay connected in that moment. Um, and then when you're there, when the endorphins are high, and this does apply to, to kids as well, but this particular one was in the adult class. When you're in the, you get away with saying some stupid shit, right? Yeah. So some stuff that are, you know might be embarrassing or corny or whatever. Don't worry about that when the endorphins are high. That's the time where you can experiment. Okay, what can I say? Yeah, how far can I push this team mentality? How and if you can get away with it with adults, it's almost like a trial run because they're all hardened and cynical. So if you say something corny but it's just pushing the envelope a bit and you get away with it, for a for a group of fourteen year olds who's who's on that high, they've just banged out their fifth round on the pads they're sweating for the first time in four years you know and they've just been told what a great job they're doing more times in the last half hour than they have in their entire life then there might be the the time to start pushing the envelope and even maybe saying well you know you know how to use pads now how about you jump on it over there jump on it with hayden or whatever because your your jab is so good he, you could learn, you, you could teach him with that and, and your pad works exceptional as well. And you never know that person that wouldn't come out of their room now actually might reach out to their new team member mm. and teach him something. 
and not only teach them something but teach them something with something in their eyes it's like um topical i guess like a virus but like a positive virus like mm -hmm. you infect that person with that positivity and then that person's eyes then track over to their new teammate and then it affects them in some way. And then they're like, well, that's what, then this, this might be something worth listening to. And then you've got this, I don't know why I'm stuck on this virus thing, but then you've got this like team virus sort of working its way through and you might have for your team before. And before you know it, there's one person left that's sort of fighting the, the corny like 1980s montage attitude of we can do this together but if there's only one person left fighting it they're going to go with the with the wave especially if they can see that looks like fun god damn it like i don't yeah. do you know what i don't mind actually getting sweaty and getting silly and 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 becoming part of the team i don't mind if i'm the last one left hell it can't be that bad mm. and then suddenly you've got a team Suddenly you've got a team. And if you've got a team and everyone's held accountable for themselves and for each other, the things that you can achieve in that team are, uh, they are literally endless. And it, mm. like I said, it's what makes the difference between a good and a bad team. And it's being in sync with each other. And it comes back, I promise I'll stop talking in a second, but it comes back to that thing of buzzing at that frequency. Mm. And if you can do it one-to-one, -one, great. If you find a way of you all doing it as a group, even better. Like then you've achieved something else, almost transcendent, I think. It, it touches very close on something that I love to speak to people about. And to be honest, well, this is the first time I've ever reflected on this, but it's probably why I enjoy doing this podcast so much. But I, I love speaking to people who are passionate about what they do. And th that That's relates it. directly to what you're talking about, because even even if it's not something they do every day, they're passionate in that moment. And you can recognize that in the way they move, they speak, like you say, the glimmer in their eye, and it yeah. fires people up. Uh, there's nothing more exciting to me. It could be a subject I'm completely uninterested in, like fishing, but if they're passionate about it, I'll get yeah. caught up in that conversation because it's just like you can tell that it's coming from within. And I, I love that shit. It just yeah, it's smile. just it's just interesting to watch, isn't it? Mm. You just you could you could almost reply you could swap out the words with just nonsense and it could yeah. be gloppy gloop and shinga yeah. But if they're gesticulating yeah. in the right way and they're emanating in the right way, then you're all in. Exactly. Um, and that, like, just to, just to quickly wind it back to upgrade a sec, that's what mm. I do with the personal project thing, right? Mm. So I am um, sort of building a, a curriculum around the individual. I find that thing that makes them gloopy glop or, you know, their eyes shine or whatever. And I find whatever that is, and then I'll go away and build the curriculum around that. That's my job. It's not their job yet. You know, maybe one day if they decide to be a teacher, maybe that's that will be their job, but it's not their job yet. Their job is to learn. So I'll go away and do the boring stuff. So I might take, say, an interest in wanting to be a YouTuber or an interest in football or for many people I work with, an interest in martial arts, whatever, whatever it may be. And I've had some weird stuff. Um, Greek mythology being one of them. And then I'll go away and I'll do a week solid of making this curriculum. Everything comes back to Greek mythology. Every bit of maths, every bit of English comes back to it and we stick on this spine of creating whatever personal project it is. So we did um, Young Lads on the Spectrum. Um, we did Greek mythology and he was dyslexic. 
um, and he wouldn't, he was very reluctant to talk about himself on the spectrum, but he was more than happy to talk about his dyslexia, right? Mm. So uh, I took the thing that he was, he seemed to me to be ashamed of, and the thing that he had replaced his shame with. So he had said, well, it's dyslexia that's the problem, right? So we took the Greek mythology thing and we made an interactive ebook that described um, d described all of his favorite uh, Greek gods, right? And all through, obviously, the spelling mistakes and his particular speech patterns and stuff uh, were, were shining through, and he was becoming more and more frustrated because he couldn't spell it right. And I said, I said, well, think about who you're delivering this book to. So it, you might be trying to change your book and essentially yourself. And then when this book finds its, itself in the hands of people who you're writing it for, they won't know what you mean because you've changed it so much to fit somebody else's narrative. It's now not yours and now it's not theirs. It's somebody else's. And why on earth would you change something to somebody else's? Make it yours. So what we did is we created this whole ebook on Greek mythology. He picked his own character, um, and it was a, it was like a little girl that went through and found all the Greeks, and she challenged the, each Greek god to a new challenge and set riddles and things. But one thing I insisted on was leaving every single spelling mistake in. And what I set him a task to do is every single time he had a spelling mistake, I wouldn't correct him, but I would say that is a spelling mistake. And then it was his job to find the correct spelling and put it in brackets. And how that was, how what we what we spoke about there was, we said, so here, people in your boat who you're writing this book for get to read it how you intended, and maybe their brain is going to read it in exactly the same way that you intended to write it, and it suits them. Mm. However, they get to now do what you are doing, which is learning the correct spelling. And but now they get to see both, and so it sneaks in that functional English into something. And and it's not just like he gets to do what he loves there. It's also um even at a distance we don't see these hypothetical children that are going to read his book, but he still feels responsible for them. Mm, so yeah. Still, I'm still creating or trying my best to create a team mentality almost. Like you, you are Your work is responsible. You, you're responsible for the people that are reading it, and don't you dare change yourself, mm. like, because it might affect them, and it creates sort of conscientiousness at a distance. And takes them out of their own head a bit, I, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah, and it stops yeah. make it stops them from punishing themselves mm. for something that they have no control over. Like, yeah, it's 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 like me with my my faults, and like I said. I try and take the negative sides of me and, and make them positive and pull in the right direction. But you are dyslexic, you know, and it's severe dyslexia. Okay, but that's not the end of the world. Mm. We can use that and we can use make it something creative. Mm. And it have, have your spellings in there, warts and all, but be responsible for yourself, be accountable, and then pop it in brackets. Maybe somebody learns something from it in the future. That was that was probably my pound for pound my favourite personal project. That, that sounds phenomenal. It reminded me of, um, and it doesn't. It's not even a touch on what you've done. But have you ever seen that film Road Trip? 
where he explains to him how to, um, they're on the way home after having that crazy time. And the guy's got to get back for, for an exam, to be fair. But um, he teaches him the whole, I think it is actually Greek mythology as well. He teaches him all of Greek mythology by relating it to WWF wrestling, which it was at the time. It's WWE. Uh, yeah, it rings yeah. the bell. Is that the super smart stoner guy? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That, one, that yeah. old film from like the 90s around the American Pride time. But that just, it reminded me of that. You, you give them something they're interested in to help reinforce the learning, but the way you do it. Yeah. So you're, different level um but remember as well like you're not even going to be able to get access like you're not going to be able to get access um to you're not going to get them to access something that they've already expressed no interest in they haven't been to school for six months they haven't they refused to engage in any work so you're going to have to find another way in otherwise we just banging your head against a brick wall and it's just to me it's it is about finding like the best possible solution and just squeezing every bit of pos positivity out of it. So you've got this terrible situation where a kid can't engage with school. They've fallen out of love with it, or maybe they were never in love with it in the first place. Um, they hate the idea of learning because inherently they feel like failures because of something silly like dyslexia or something. Um, so you can say, well, I scramble and try and get them to do something at least, a worksheet or whatever. Or you can actually sort of have a bit of patience and put the time in and say, no, I won't settle for that. We'll go big. We'll try and get, we'll try and flip it completely around. So it's, it's not just a means of access. It's something hopefully memorable to the point, you know, they can really sort of base, they can have that as a pivotal moment. I like to tell myself sometimes that, those 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 moments hopefully i want to give them stuff that they can think of and, oh i remember when i did that project you know and whatever and for it to be a real positive entry into school and not just a means of entry you know what i mean yeah yeah it's it's fascinating it is truly fascinating stuff and I have got so many more questions for you. I'm not even going to lie. So <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to ask them. We haven't got time today. But basically, just to give you an overview of the things that I want to talk to you about, other than what we've talked about today, is like what your personal defining moment was and, and the things you've learned from creating these curriculum for people because you've obviously had to look at subjects you probably otherwise wouldn't have. Uh, there's a shitload that I want to talk to you about, but we'll get to that at another point, I think. And your martial arts coaching as well. So just for the audience, um, if you've listened to, I think it was episode eight with um, Jessica Fleischer, Daniel, were, you were her original coach, weren't you, that, that took her yeah. to the championship. And um, that's how, um, so Jessica was who introduced me to Daniel. Um, so there's all of that shit I want to talk to you about as well. But yeah, yeah we're running out of time. You've got a class to teach tonight, but there's one more question. Yeah, sorry, mate. I no, I love it. Oh, no, I honestly love it. I love the free flow. It's what I say to every guest. I love the free form of just being able to express your mind because it, I, I, I often find when you've, you're given the opportunity to speak, you sometimes come to your own realizations and I never want to be the one to step in the way of um, that kind of revelation. So I, I love it. Mm. Um, one thing I do want to do, because I always like to make sure people have got something that is that, you know, they can think about, take home as a little bit of advice. And it's the last question I asked you. I have got three quick fire questions to ask you before we get onto that, though, is that you really have carved out your own path in life for quite a long time now. You know, you've been making your decisions. They've been leading to a point. And what would your advice be to anyone who feels stuck in a rut with what they do? 
but wants to push on to do other stuff? Uh, pay attention to yourself because um, you won't lie to you. Like, you're, it's really difficult because things get, um, you, you can do a good job at masking things that you already know and giving yourself excuses and things. But you'll feel when you're, you, or you'll be informed when you're moving in that direction because simply you'll feel more content. It's not necessarily, not necessarily happy because happy is a bit of a weird word, but you're, you'll feel content. You'll feel congruent with the universe almost. Woo woo again. But it's like, if, if you're asking yourself, like, do it, you know, I'm, I'm in this office job or whatever, and um, I really want to be whatever, whatever it may be, you know, trying to open my own music studio, right? And you've kept asking yourself that question or, or talking to yourself over and over and over again about it. That's probably what you want to be doing. And the thing is, is, like, no matter how high the stakes... It's always going to be far more fun giving it a crack than not giving it a crack. I mean, obviously it's different when you've got, um, you've got responsibilities, you know, maybe children, family and stuff, but nine times out of 10, if you're lucky enough to have children and a family that those people are perfectly supportive and they want to see you do that and taking risks, the universe seems to like it. In my experience, it seems to really enjoy you taking a crack at something and it now if my experience it may be neutral sometimes to risk but it very rarely punishes you as far as i can tell it's like uh, god loves a trial you know it's uh, like give it a go and not much bad can happen because i think it's so formative for you as a person like just the very act of doing something brave changes you almost immediately, like in the moment. And it usually comes with some sort of sacrifice. So you sacrifice safety or you sacrifice comfort or whatever in that moment. And sacrifice inherently feels terrifying before you make it. But there's something about it that, that immediately once it's made, um, you realize it's the right thing to do. And it's, like I said, it, it seems to, it doesn't seem to the, the universe doesn't seem to have any interest in punishing you for taking a risk as long as it's well intentioned and mm. you know, nine times out of ten if you're if you're stressing over should i do this or should i do that then you can bet your bottom dollar that you're a bloody good person right because you don't stress over that for yourself you stress over that because of the consequences how will it affect the people that i love how will it affect my family if i do this am i betraying somebody because this person's relying on me and stuff these are all the sorts of questions that wonderful people ask themselves right but there's a moment where you have to appreciate that you are a wonderful person for asking those questions you're not a nervous nelly you know your anxiety hasn't got the better of you you're asking yourself because you're a wonderful person, right? And wonderful people deserve wonderful things. So take that risk. Mm. And as far as I can tell, the universe will not punish you for it. A, because you're wonderful. B, because you learn something new immediately and therefore become a bigger person so you can handle any fallout anyway. 
and C, because you were probably right in the first place. Mm. Your gut's telling you that for a reason. So I, I very rarely, I've told it, to, I told it to Jess, I've told it to a, a friend of mine who just recently opened up a shop that I helped him with, um, and a whole bunch of people who have asked. And I said, well, you're asking the question, so you already know the answer. And, and, and unless you just like the sound of your own voice, you've, you already know that you want to do it. You're, it interests you enough to speak about it, to do it. Because there is, like, what's the worst that can happen is a cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Like, yeah. well, that's, that's my advice. Yeah, no, I say that. Funny enough, you just said the cliche for a reason, because I say that so often, but it's become a cliche itself for me. Like, I always say a cliche becomes a cliche for a reason. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've got three quick fire uh, questions I want to ask you. But before I do that, um, Daniel, where, where can... Where can people find out about you, your business, what you do, maybe help out a little bit? But where's all that stuff? The best place to find all that. Uh, well, you find us in Bexhill, first of all, um, in person. But we've got um, up-gradetraining.org. Um, that's our website. It's up-gradetraining.org. We're really, really active on social media, or we try to be, because um, our, whole, our whole thing is community. And, you know, we work with a lot of families that, that need the help and need the connection. And so we want to be as active as possible. So you can find us on, on Facebook and come and join the crew there. Um, there's a big team. We're always talking to each other, always sharing ideas and things. Um, and that's forward slash upgrade training and therapy. You'll find us there. Instagram, again, upgrade training and therapy. Um, that's about it. Awesome. Well, what I'll do, I'll include all of that in the show notes so people just click on the link and it'll take them straight to it because I think people are going to want to see see what you're all about after this interesting conversation. Um, okay, I've got, I've got three quick-fire questions that uh, I would say that I haven't put on the sheet, but to be fair, pretty much everything we've talked about has been on the sheet anyway. So, <laughs> the no, honestly, we have actually covered all of it just in different ways, so it's, it's, it's worked right, out really cool. well. But, um, uh, the, the first question is, there, there's so many screens in this world, whether they're computer screens, phone screens, digital billboards in the high street, TVs, computers, all of that sort of stuff. Um, you have been given permission to take ownership over every single screen on the planet for 30 seconds to send a message to the world. And that could be either a video, it can be a song, it could be a photo, but whatever you choose for 30 seconds whatever you choose is going to be on every screen on the planet. What, what would you put oh, on that wow. screen? Uh, what would I put on that screen? I would put... Ah, I don't know. Um, I'd put a picture of my daughter. Just because she's beautiful. And uh, I, to me, her face is the quickest, most convenient way to convey beauty in a moment's notice. And anything else would be difficult to read in that short of time, but you, her face will tell you everything you need to know. And it'll be an example of unconditional love, I'm guessing, as well, which is always a good message to hear. Um, she says it all, mate, yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, the, the, the next question. Um, 
if you could go back in time to any age and give yourself a bit of advice, how old would you be? And what would the piece of advice be? 17 and go to bloody psychology. I got, I got the Scarlet Pimpernel Award in sixth form for turning up to the least amount of lessons that I possibly could before I got chucked out of sixth form. So I just about turned up for enough lessons to not get chucked out. And then I knew instinctively that I loved psychology and, but I, did, I didn't love it enough to actually turn up, God help me. Um, and I wish I'd kept that up because uh, one of my major things in life is I want to get my doctorate one day. And uh, I just feel like I'm behind on that now. And I could have been so much further ahead. It's so not I'm as if you're doing good. other stuff to keep up your time, is it? To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> i got like six minutes in the week that I could be looking up. But there is that. Um, okay, <laughs> the, the, the last question, and this has changed over the last few weeks. So it used to be, what is your definition of success? But um, I changed that. Um, not because I've got any bad answers. In fact, a lot of the answers, if, I don't think I had one materialistic answer at all, but I, I changed it because I thought more along the legacy side of things. And um, the question is now, uh, what, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, um, I would love to be... I would love to be... Uh, I'd love to just be mentioned, you know. I, um, my my granddad died a few years ago. Um, I speak about him every other day. He was my hero, uh, but not many other people do mm. because that's the nature of death. Unfortunately, it doesn't really care about how much of a wonderful person you were or, or are in your essence. It doesn't. People have things to do, you know, and I and I understand that. And everybody has working towards their version of, of answering your question that you just asked. So it's it doesn't really it's not immediately necessary, I don't think, for people to, to talk about people. So if my loved ones talk fondly of me once a week, then that'll do. That's a fantastic answer. I like it. And it sums up who you are as well. That there's there's no ego behind. Well, there's a little bit of ego in everyone, I guess. But there's little ego in what we do, in what you do, and you want to do good stuff. And I think that is a testament to it, the way you answered that. Uh, look, Daniel, it is, we've we've been chatting for two hours now. It has been an absolute yeah, pleasure. Yeah. yeah, it goes quick. It goes quick when you start talking about <laughs> stuff like this. But it's been an absolute pleasure. And like I say. I've got a lot more questions for you at some point in the future. So, you know, if the stars yeah, like we'll that, we'll have a chance to record again. But no, really enjoyed it, Daniel. I appreciate your Me time. Too, Jack. Cheers, um, enjoy tonight's class and I'll be in touch soon. All right. Cheers, Jack. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Later. Okay, guys, and that was the end of the incredible interview with Daniel Barfoot. So please uh, make sure to check out his stuff. Again, it's in the show notes. Take a look at what he's up to. It really is incredible stuff, and lend some support if you can. And again, leave this episode a five-star rating and a review. It really does help get the word out more to those people that may be in need of hearing it. Until next time, guys, have a great day and live well. <laughs>